Wonderful. Thank you, ladies. Isn't it good to be in God's house on a Thursday night? And man, I just thank you, church, for your faithfulness. This is encouraging. Uh, I know it encourages your pastor, and the fact that you've come and heard me multiple nights encourages me, just to be honest with you. So thank you so much. Uh, I want to commend you for just your faithfulness, your offerings to missionary each night. What a blessing. And here's what we know. We know God is going to bless you for it. Amen. You can't, you just can't outgive God. And so thank you, church. Thank you, pastor. I have thoroughly enjoyed the week. I want to encourage you now, please come back tomorrow night. All week, the Lord's laid a message on my heart. I believe it will help hope just really maybe put some clarity to where you need to be or what God wants. I'm asking you to please be here. Those watching online, if you're able, please be here. And I believe the Lord will bless it and and uh, honor what's going to take place. My children will be here. That's worth coming back just to meet them. And uh, I won't have all of them, but I'll have seven of them with me. And of course, our oldest is married and, and uh, they've got a little girl. And, and uh, so we are, I'm grandpa, amen. And uh, my wife and I never could agree. She wants to be mamaw and I don't want to be papaw. I want to be grandpa. And so she's Mamma and I'm Grandpa until the kid gets old enough to talk, and then we're going to be whatever she wants. Because whatever she calls me, I'm going to be happy with. I'm just going to be honest with you. So First uh, Kings chapter number 17 tonight. First Kings chapter number 17. Thank you, church, again, just for your listening ear, your kind comments. Um, I loved your pastor. Uh, I mean, I've got to know him the last couple years, but just being here... Uh, I'll be honest with you, I travel the country, I get to be in a lot of international places with the ministry that I'm over with Operation Go International and being president of it, I'm in, I'll be in California next week preaching a conference and, and uh, I travel this, I'm going to be honest with you, you have one of the finest pastors I believe I've ever met. Um, I've met guys that had bigger churches, I've met guys that I don't know of any guys that I talk to that's more intelligent than your pastor. Very, I know he don't look it, but, but he, is, he knows the scriptures, very balanced. You know how hard it is to find a balanced pastor in our day? And I believe you've got a balanced pastor. Now, look, I pastored long enough for many years. I know he don't always make you happy, but you don't always make him happy. But the fact that you can have a church and, and work together for a cause, I just, I just, I, I, he didn't ask me to say this, and most pastors get uncomfortable when you do, but really you ought to thank God for the man of God you've got, amen. And I, uh, God has blessed you with a great guy, and I just, I love him. Love his heart, love his, love his passion, his balance, it, it means a lot to me. First Kings chapter number 17, very familiar passage of scripture. Again, I don't know that I'll say anything new tonight. Maybe uh, I thought what I was preaching, it's for me, it was, I preached it as a pastor many, many times. I loved preaching missions. I just, I, I love it because I know missions is at the heart of God. And if you do what's the heart of God, God will bless you. I did just, and so I, I love preaching on missions and, and, um, and so, but I had several come up to me and say, man, never really looked at that passage like that. And so that was encouraging to me, but this is a very common passage, I guess, in missions, but one the Lord gave me some truths on that I want to bring out tonight, and 
Again, I beg of you, be here tomorrow night, and let's ask the Lord to work. I believe my family's singing tomorrow night. Is that right? Okay. I can't remember if it was one or two, so make sure you tell us before I forget because they're wanting to know. And uh, I keep forgetting to ask all week. Amen. But uh, 1 Kings chapter number 17. Let me start reading in verse number 2. Well, let's just start in verse 1. It's just two more verses. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Let me pause. Brother, that's impressive to be able to name your kids as quick as you did. I've got nine, and, and when I'm talking to them, it's, you know who you are. Come here. And so uh, someone asked me the other night here, can we get your kids' birthdays? And I said, well, well that woman right over there, go talk to her. See, I can pull it up on my phone, and, and, but I can't rattle them off by memory. The first two I can after that, it gets foggy, all right? <clears throat> Verse number two. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook chariot that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Well, that's just, what a miracle. You realize ravens are, are carnivor, carnivorous birds. They eat anything. And God, of all the birds, he could have used a dove that's very picky. He could have, but that would have made sense. God took the worst of the birds outside of maybe a vulture. And they're just nasty. If you've ever been in Africa and watched them, they're just nasty. But God took a raven, and the raven denies itself from eating the very things he's bringing, the man of God. I, I find that interesting. Verse 5, so he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. Why are you not a vegetarian? Because God believes in feeding you meat. This was God commanded. Y'all do understand verse 5 or 4, I have commanded. That's the Lord speaking. So God commanded the man of God to eat meat. I believe it's biblical. And I'm teasing. If you're a vegetarian, I won't fuss at you. I've got nieces, the niece that's a vegetarian, and I give her a hard time. But to each their own, but thank God for me, amen? The Bible said in verse 7, It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, as I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as I have said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Bring it unto me, and after 
make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. I want to preach, if I can, for just a little bit on this thought, who helps who? Who helps who? Sometimes we have this idea, and I get it, it's a, I understood it as a pastor, I understand it, the position I'm in now, but sometimes we have this idea, well, you know, the missionaries are coming through and, and, and we've got to help them. We've got to help them fulfill their call to go to the field. We've got to help them fulfill their work. We've got to pray, and I said it last night, this dear brother said it, that, that prayer is the greatest thing you can ever do for a missionary. It really is. Because God can send ravens to feed them and take care of them, and, but, but we need prayer, amen? And, and, and I'm saying to you and I tonight that many times we have this idea, well, God sends the missionary to us so we can help them. And obviously you have and will and do. But I, I just want to pose that question and look at this thought and bring some things with the help of the Lord tonight on who is helping who. Father, I love you now. Anoint me, use me, clear my mind, clear my heart, help me to preach in the power and the presence and the anointing of God. Thank you for our brother in Mexico. God, what a needy field, needy place. And bless him and his family and Lord, I pray that you bless this church and Lord, their endeavoring effort, Lord, to see the gospel around the world. God, use the message now, I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. May I say to you and I, notice just as a means of jumping right in, notice the command that I find here in these verses. In verse number 9, after the brook dries up and we could spend a lot of time on verses 1 through 8 and what God does with the man of God and but in verse number 9, the brook dries up, God comes to him and says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, notice these three next words, I have commanded. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. Sometimes when we're reading this story, we, we, we forget those three words. The, the Lord comes to the man of God and says, I want you to go somewhere. And by the way, there's always a there that God is looking for, and He can only bless us when we get there. Amen? And He said, I blessed you here, but now here is dried up. Now you're going to go there. If I can just pause just a moment, and I can prove this New Testament and Old Testament, but uh, I love your pastor's philosophy. And may I say, church, uh, when the, the mission's philosophy support. The man, not the place. Paul never stayed anywhere more than three years. But look at the word. Who would not have wanted to support the Apostle Paul? Amen. And so uh, support the man. I, uh, my philosophy as a pastor was as long as they were serving God, as long as their doctrine stayed right, as long as they were in agreement with what we asked of them. I didn't care if they was in Australia for a couple years, Papua New Guinea another year. Maybe they went over to Vanuatu. Maybe they went to the other side of the world and, and was uh, in California. It didn't matter to me as long as they were there doing what God said do according to God's will. 
Sometimes we get locked into places. Now, as a pastor, I always look for missionaries in areas we didn't have anyone because as a pastor, my job is to multiply the fruit and the investment of our church. And who would not want a missionary with millions of people and, and, and another footprint, another thumbprint, another place to have for your dollars and for the Lord? And can you imagine when we get to heaven and, and we stand before the Lord and you understand that we're not answering for sin at the judgment seat of Christ? If we have to answer for one sin, we're in trouble. The Bible said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. When we stand before that judgment seat of Christ, and there's all kinds of uh, teachings that the Lord gave to make plain, we will answer for what we've done with the talent, the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, and what we've done to further the kingdom of God. And when we stand before Him, you know what's going to be good? There's going to be people that will be in heaven. You never met them. You never knew their name. You didn't touch them. But because you cared enough to support a bride and Treadway or other people or these people you may take on this week you will see people in heaven that the Lord's going to say you sacrificially gave, you never left the state of Michigan, maybe you never left the county, but well done thou good and faithful servant because of what you did to get the gospel out. So the man of God is being told, but notice the three words, I have commanded before the man of God ever shows up. We're not privy to the conversation. We're not told what, what is said uh, about Elijah. But what we do know is somehow, you understand Zarephath was a Gentile nation. This is a gen fact. Uh, Luke, in Luke, what is it? Luke chapter 4, verses 25 and 26. Jesus makes mention of this woman. And it irritates the snot out of the Pharisees and the Jewish crowd. He said, there were all kinds of widows in Israel. But I sent the man of God to a Gentile woman. And then he said, uh, there's many places that I could have sent Naaman, the Syrian. Many people, lepers in Israel that need to be healed. But it was Naaman. And the Lord was trying to make a point there. But I'm simply saying that in some form or fashion, God has a conversation with this Gentile. Aren't you glad God cares about everybody? Do you understand the Old Testament, God was mainly working with the Jews. But he shows us his love for the world when he sends a Jonah to the Ninevites. When he, when he, when he adds Ruth into the genealogy of Christ. When he, when he adds um, uh, Rahab the harlot into the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And, and we see God's love for the world. And, and God has a conversation. And because uh, we know what he says to Elijah, here's what he said. I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. I don't know what the conversation went like. But here's what I can guarantee, but based on Scripture, the Lord said, there's going to be someone coming to your house. You don't know him. You've never met him. He's a man of God, and you're to feed him. Now, maybe the Lord said a whole lot more. Maybe he didn't say nothing else. But he basically said, someone's coming by. He's my servant. Sustain him, which means take care of him. Well, church... I believe you and I have a commandment, do we not? 
I believe we looked at it Sunday night in the Great Commission that, that the Great Commission is for Brian Treadway. It's, it's for us individually, but then collectively as the body of Christ. And the commandment is simple. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel, uh, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and then teaching them to serve whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you just as we saw in the verses. We have been told to go into all the world. We have a commandment from God. The commandment was here long before mission conference ever showed up. Commandment was here before the pastor ever showed up. Commandment, commandment has been since Jesus Christ established the church. We have been commanded to give bread, spiritual bread to sinners, have we not? So we see the command. Number two, I want you to notice the circumstances in this story. The woman that God is asking to feed Elijah. Let's look at her. <laughs> She's in poverty. Did y'all hear what I just said? The woman that God said, you're going to feed Elijah. She's in poverty. To the place that when he shows up, she says, I'm gathering a stick. She ain't even building a big fire. And I'm, I'm taking what I got left. I'm making a cake for me and my son. We're going to eat it and then we have nothing else. We're going to die. Do you think somewhere along the way, pastor, she forgot the commandment? I think somehow it just hadn't registered. I think God come to her, told her, maybe she got busy with life. Maybe the cares of her son. Maybe uh, the, the, the chores of the home. Maybe there's a thousand reasons it could have happened, but somewhere she lost sight that God said, I'm going to use you to take care of someone else. That means she's going to have to have food come from somewhere to do that. But she's in poverty. Do you realize when it comes to missions, God's not looking for rich people? Sometimes we have the idea it's the big churches. You know, it's, a, it's the, the, the big churches that's running thousands. They, they should do a whole lot. You know what I found? I found most of the time that God's able to use little, everyday, local churches. As a matter of fact, as an evangelist slash president of Operation Go International, I would assume preach to a smaller crowd as I would a big crowd because normally they seem to have more. Not that there's, I'm not knocking on big churches. I'm just saying that sometimes we have this idea, well, you know, we're a smaller church and we don't have any rich people. God's not looking for rich people. He's not looking for people to see because we preached last night and showed you, Lord willing, in Sunday school Sunday morning, I'm going to bring out the New Testament proof of what I taught you and preached last night out on Hannah and Samuel on uh, free will giving and faith promise giving. But understand tonight, God's not looking for someone that has a lot. He's just looking for someone to be available. God will use you. It don't matter. You say, preacher, I'm on a fixed income. God wants to use you. You say, preacher, I don't have enough money hardly to pay my bills. God can still use you. I'm saying tonight that the person that God chose to use was not the rich person in Zarephath. It wasn't the person that had plenty. It was a person that by our standards was in poverty. The circumstances. She's in poverty. Notice her person. She's a Gentile. Now wait a minute. Elijah, 
I'm sending you to Zarephath. You don't think he knew where that was immediately? He could have been like Jonah. Huh. Go to a, you want me to go to a, a heathen Gentile dog? Elijah never argues. Elijah at this point don't care where. You just took bread and meat out of a raven's mouth. I don't think he's worried about it being a Gentile, brother. And what I'm simply trying to show you is sometimes God wants to use the least likely people to provide needs. Don't ever discount anyone. If I was preaching in a missions conference, and a lot of times I've preached mission schools and I've taught missionaries where I was a missionary and I've been a pastor for many years and now, but I've I've done a little bit of everything and, and I teach a lot of missionaries and I will tell them, don't ever walk into that church that may be completely different than you and discount who or what they are. God may send you to a a city in Sidon, in Zarephath, Sarepta in the New Testament, Luke 4, and God may use someone completely different than you, someone completely opposite of you, to fulfill the work that God's called in your life. See, we've got two things going on. We've got a man that needs to go to where God says go. He's got a message. He's got a work of the rain. He's got a work to minister to Israel. He's got to get it done, but he's got to be provided for. And we've got a woman over here. She's in poverty. She's a Gentile. Most of that known world don't care a thing about her. And she's just trying to survive. And she's trying to make it through the famine. And she's trying to feed her family. They both have needs. Then I want you to notice in the circumstances, watch this now. The man of God shows up. He said, hey, can I have a little water that I may drink? And I'm paraphrasing in verse number 10. And she gets it. And Verse 11, he says, hey, why? why? She brings the water. And, or as she's fetching it, he said, hey, while you're getting that water, would you bring me a morsel of bread? You know, bring, I'm hungry. Verse 12 is where she says, I'm I'm fixing to do the little bit I got left, and we're going to eat and die. Now, I want you to look at verse number 13 from a purely carnal standpoint. This woman has a son, a child. If, If you, as a Christian, are hungry, but you see a child hungry, which one you want and fed first? You're going to say, give the food to the kid. Ignore me. You understand what I'm saying? We go into people's homes when we were in Kenya, when I was in Papua New Guinea, and they were giving us, Brother Rich, the best of what they had, but I knew they were doing without to provide for us, and I would eat just a little bit as not to offend them. I'd say, hey, I'd just say, hey, you come here. You, fi- you finish this offer. You go ahead and take that. I, I'm just, I, I've had all I can eat, and I, I wanted to give to them. And I want you to notice if we're not careful from a purely carnal standpoint, Looks like there's a lot of pride going on. Look at verse 13. The woman's just bared her heart in verse 12 and said, I don't have anything left, just enough for me and my son. Now, who do you think was going to get the majority of the portion of that cake between her and her son? Her son. No doubt in my mind. Elijah says, fear not. Go do what I've told you. Now watch. Make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me what audacity 
What arrogance. You want me to take the little bit of meal I got, make a cake, not see if there's anything left and try to make me one too, but make it, bring it to you, and let you eat before I even feed my son? Is that not what he's telling her? I'm in my, last time I checked, that's my King James Bible right there. And she does it. If we're not careful, missionaries will come by. Missions conference. Don't pastor understand having these people in. We don't have extra at our church. Does he not understand that I don't have a lot of extra money? Does he not understand that these missionaries coming in and they've always got their hand out and they've always got an offer they need? They need tires on their vehicle. They need to feed those eight children, Brother Miller. They need money. Does he not understand where he's in bad shape and, and where's about time that we take care of American Christians instead of all the Christians around the world? I've had people tell me that. Now, I don't believe this, that's this church's attitude. That's not what I'm saying. But we're all carnal and we all can be fleshly minded. Sometimes, church, we get the idea, who does these missionaries think they are coming around? I got very little, drive a ragtag car, live in an old house, don't have much, try to eat very decent, hardly ever get to go out to eat. Here he is flying in like a big wig. Vacation. Vacation. And I'm teasing. I've never flown a plane in my life. Why does he think he should get to? You understand what I'm saying? If we're not careful. Look, I pastored long enough. We get the idea the missionary is just all about himself. Can I remind you all the way back in verse number 9 what God told the man of God? I've commanded a widow woman. You know what this man of God knew? This man of God knew if he would do his part and if she would do his, her part, God would do his part. And can I say to you and I tonight, sometimes, and I wish I could preach a message I've got on this, sometimes we need to be reminded on how big our God is. I don't serve a rinky-dink little bit, no, no count God. I serve a big God. And it's not about how much I have. It's about what he's got. And it's not about what I can do. It's about me just being obedient to him. I think about the children of Israel. And I remember years ago I was studying uh, four missions and a missions message. And, and I'm sure you're pastor seen this being the brilliant man that he is but uh, sometimes we think I preached to you last night how Hannah had to be willing to, to offer God something she didn't have and by faith he gave it back and then gave it in abundance sometimes in free will missions giving God will want us to give it by faith now remember that word faith you're praying and whatever amount God tells you to put on there, maybe five weeks from now you lose your job and you lose everything. God knew that ahead of time. If that's the amount he said, and you say, well, preacher, it's either pay the bill or pay that. Trust God. And then I noticed something. Now, sometimes God wants us to, by faith, put it out there first, and then he rewards us for exhibiting that faith. There's an example in the Bible that I'd never seen until I got to study him. And it just blessed me to no end, but 
And I won't take you through the whole scriptures. You can just write them down. Please look it up later. The Bible said these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they searched the scriptures to see whether those things were so. Don't ever take my word for it. Go to your Bible. The Bible's got all the answers, amen? A preacher that's afraid for you to get in your own Bible is a preacher that's scared of what he's saying. I ain't scared of what I'm saying. I know your pastor's not. I promise you it'll be Bible-based. But do you remember in the book of Exodus when God gives all the, 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 the Ten Commandments and Moses is up on the mount for 40 days and God gives him all the instructions for the tabernacle? Do you remember where the Israelites are? They're in the wilderness. And he says, you know, you're going to take up a free will offering. In Exodus 26, chapter 26 and verse 14 is a verse that he actually says, one of the things that you're going to take up is badger skins. Now get out of your head a badger like you and I know of badger because they weren't in that area at all. There's three schools of thought on this, what this badger was. You understand the Bible uses terms that maybe those animals are extinct, they're not here today. That's one solution that the badger that he's talking about just don't exist or the names have changed and we don't know what it was. That's one possibility. M.R. DeHaan and Dwight Pentecost and some other good men said that it's dolphins. And if you look at the Aramic word, that's what it means, dolphins. And there's a lot of dolphins. What was called the Great Sea now is the Mediterranean Sea. And then there's a lot of other commentators that say it was a seal, the brownback seal, which is very good and still used to this day for garments and tents and covering because the skin's oily and it sheds water. Now, I don't know which one of them it was. I, I believe it was probably the seal, just to be honest. And most commentators, if you look in different Bible dictionaries, I, I can't prove it, but I think, I, I know it's not a badger of what we think of badger today because they're not leathery. God said, I want them to give an offering. Well, don't turn there, but just mark down the verse. Look at it later. I believe it's Exodus chapter number 35. Moses has come down the mountain. He's already dealt with their false worship, their calf building. And, and then he tells them what God said. And he said, the Lord said to take up a free will offering. And so uh, he com God commanded it. And then in Exodus chapter 35, I believe it's verse 7, Moses said, the Bible said they gave their badger skins. Now, when they were in Egypt, right along that peninsula, they could have easy access to either the dolphin, either the animal that they were using, or either the seal, whatever you want to believe that was. But now they're in the wilderness. God says, I want you to give these for the making of the covering of the tabernacle, for the curtains, for the, the over the holy of holies, and what's going to protect the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible said in Exodus chapter 35 that they gave those skins and then in Exodus chapter 36, verse 5 and 7, they, in verse 5, the men come to Moses and say, hey, they've given enough, no more. And they stop. I said, preacher, where are you going with this? Okay. They're in Egypt. They knew how to make shoes. They knew how to make clothes. And they had the materials. Now they're in the wilderness. Have you ever wondered why God said, you know these verses, in what is it? I could go to Deuteronomy 8, it says it, but Deuteronomy 29 and verse 5, I led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxing old upon you. Thy shoe is not waxing old upon thy foot. 
Okay, preacher, thank you for the Sunday school lesson, but what's that got to do with badger skins? Well, Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse number 21 or sorry, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 10, when God's talking about Israel and when he brought them out of Egypt and he's using that analogy of a baby, he said in Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse number 10, I shod thee, shod's talking about feet, with badger skins. Do you get the picture? I can't prove this, but I, I think I'm closer to being able to prove it than you're able to not prove it. But here's what I kind of believe happened. Israel, God said you're going to give a free will. He calls it a free will offering. We're not going to be forced. But whoever's heart, in fact, the Lord used the words. Let me see if I can find it real quick. The, the words that the Lord used is a willing heart. They came willing hearted. They're in the wilderness. God's already told them because of their defiance, they're going to be there for 40 years. God said, I need a tabernacle. We're going to, you're going to worship me. So of their own free will, they give the materials they had brought out of Egypt to make their shoes and make their clothes. They freely give that to the work of God. God, in return, says, no problem. You can't get to the seals. If you look, the Red Sea, they couldn't get back over to the Mediterranean Sea, the Great Sea as it was called then. They're now in the wilderness. And I personally believe it's my opinion. Notice I said opinion. That God said, no problem. You gave to me freely of what you knew you needed to take care of yourself. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Forty years, the clothes never wore out. Forty years, the shoes. Brother, I want some of them. God always takes care of those that will just trust Him. You're never going to outgive God. You're never going to do wrong by God. I'm saying to you and I tonight, listen, hey, faith makes the impossible possible, but it don't always make it easier, amen. Now, back to the, we see the command, we see the circumstances. Then I want you to notice the comfort in verse 1 Kings chapter number 17. He tells her, make me the cake first. Bring it to me, and then afterwards, make it for you and your son. Verse 14, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. The man of God says, here's what I want to tell you. If you will trust me, if you will believe me, and more importantly, ma'am, he don't say it, but he knew God had already commanded this woman. Do you notice how gentle he is? He don't walk up to her and say, God told you to do it. You better do it or else. The man of God ought to strive to be gentle with all. Amen. I love his approach. He, he could have used the power authority. I'm the man of God. You're a Gentile woman. Do as I say. He don't do that. He says, would you, would you go back in there? Would you make me a cake? Bring it to me first. Then make one for you and your son. And here's why I want you to do that. Because if you'll do it that way, God will make sure that you're took care of and there'll be enough meal in that barrel for you and your son to eat. You understand what I'm saying? He, he, he's giving her, he is confirming what God has already said. Feed me. And God's going to bless you. Notice the choice. Number four, I see the choice. 
Verse 15, she went and did. You got a choice tonight, church. You have a choice as a Christian. You have a choice of an individual. Do what God is saying do or not. The man of God doesn't put a a spear to her head. He doesn't put a sword to her neck. He doesn't say, you have to do this. The Lord did not force her to do anything. She has a choice to make. Give of what I think I need to help this man and his mission or keep it myself. You have a choice tonight. Give what God's saying give. But preacher, I just don't think I can do what God says do. God's asking a big amount. I want you to come back tomorrow night. I'm going to preach on that. Please be here tomorrow night. Not because I'm anything, but I just know God. When God burdens my heart, there's always a reason for a message. And since Monday, I've known what I'm supposed to preach Friday. Listen to me. Notice with the choice. There's a continuation. Here's my thought and I'm done. She's got a choice to make. Do it my way, which is feed me and my son. And then if if I see that he's right, if I see that there's something, then I'll make him a cake. I'm taking care of my kid. Or, brother, trust God. You notice, trust God. God had already commanded her. The man of God confirms what God says. Trust God and the man of God. Make him a cake. Feed him first. Then make me and my son and trust that what he's telling me right. She makes the right choice. And because she makes the right choice, look at what God does. 15, she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat. Look at the next word, church. Many days. She had enough meal for one more cake. But because she had enough faith to trust God, she ate many days, verse 16, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of Elijah. Now here's my thought. People say, well, man, thank God for a woman that obeyed God to make sure Elijah could be took care of so he could minister to Israel and take care of them with Ahab and Jezebel and all that he was doing. Thank God for that woman. I'm asking you as I started, I'm ending. Who helped who? Who needed who? Can I tell you tonight, it was way more important that that man come to her and she take care of him had he not showed up she would have made that cake and died. Had she not obeyed God, she would have made that cake and died. Had she not trusted God and took care of him first, she would have made that cake and her and her son died. I'm telling you, she needed him a whole lot more than he needed her because God can take him back to a brook. He could let water come out of a rock. He could rain manna down from heaven. He could let ravens bring more food. But God 
chose to bless a woman in the deepest, darkest famine they'd been in by her taking care of someone else. I believe with all my heart the reason churches are dying, the reason they're drying up, the reason they're losing their young people, the reason they're losing their fire, the reason sinners are walking in, they've got a little meal and a little oil and they're hoarding it. They're not giving any. And when a missionary comes by, he's a moochinary. He's after what we can give. Don't they know we need to do this? We need to fix this. We need a new church van. I'm not against none of that. But I'm telling you, Loomis Park, and I believe to a degree y'all have learned it. If you'll just take care of the men God's commanded you to take care of, God will make sure not only are they took care of, God will make sure there's still children in your house. He'll make sure there's bread in your house. He'll make sure there's oil in your house. You're never going to outgive God. Who needs who? As a pastor, I was a pastor for 20 years and a few months. It was a joy to me every time a missionary walked through hard doors because I knew it was an opportunity, pastor, to fill the cruise of oil one more time and to see a little more meal come a little bit more. It never hurt our church. It helped our church every time we invested in worldwide missions. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm done a little early tonight.